Hey everybody, welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Podcast. I am Andrew Emerson, your host, and today I'm excited to bring you some brand new content that I know you're going to enjoy in a three-part series entitled Becoming a Successful Assistant. This lesson was taught from Pastor Carl Vickery in our event center at our Beaumont campus on a Saturday ministers and training session. The Texas Bible College students were present in the room, and our pastor thought it'd be valuable for them to hear this lesson. And it was valuable not just for them, for for everybody else that was there. I encourage you today to pull out a notepad and a pen. Take notes in this three-part series. I know you're going to enjoy it and gain a lot of content, especially if you're a young minister or even a leader in your church or organization. You're going to hear from me on the back end of this episode. Okay, what do you say we dive in to the first part of becoming a successful assistant? This is probably one of my favorite things to do, and, and I mean that sincerely. I hope that you can kind of handle it, if it, you know, just a little bit. But I want to kind of start off with uh, just a little different this morning. How many of you in here... Um, are probably are going how, let's talk about Bible college students first how many of you in Bible college you know obviously let's make sure we know everybody that's in Bible college all right how many of you, how many of you are in ministry all right now let me ask a question how many of you think that you're going to graduate Bible college and become the senior pastor of a church right away anybody and, and I want to tell you, this is going to be nuts and bolts this morning. That's what I, you know, we're good at moves of God, and, and, and we're going to have more of those tomorrow and today at uh, Street Reach and things of that nature. But this, this morning is just going to kind of be some nuts and bolts. And so I'll give you a little bit of history. But how many of you think that you're going to be the senior choir director? How many of you think you're going to be the senior anything right out of Bible college? Uh, at least you all have some reality about your life. Good deal. That's good. Let me tell you a little bit of, of myself. I started out, uh, I prayed through. My mom and dad didn't really come to church or go to church. Um, and I started out helping. I was one of four preachers that made up a youth ministry team. Then later I became the assistant youth director. We didn't, I wasn't allowed to call ourselves youth pastors back then. And then later I became the youth director. Then I took my first full-time position as youth pastor in Oakdale, Louisiana, and assisted another man for four years. And then left Oakdale, Louisiana, and went to Dallas, Texas, and assisted another pastor for three and a half years. And then came here and technically became associate pastor for two and a half months while there was obviously time for me to move and get down here and cross over and get everything situated. And then after that two and a half months became the senior pastor here. And so somewhere in the neighborhood of a 10 year journey from the time, well, let's see, 13 year journey, I'm sorry. About a 13 year journey from the time I started out in ministry to the time that I became senior pastor so around 13 years now on the onset just to give you a little of what i'm going to talk about or kind of why i'm going to talk about what i am going to talk about is in my day we didn't have mit classes 
We didn't have, you know, uh, impartation classes. Uh, you know, you just were expected to perform and, and do some things. And if you haven't realized that yet, when you step into staff of a church, there is a different expectation than when you were the saint of even that same church. Let me show you what I'm talking about. When you're a saint, the focus is retention. Every pastor, ministry leader, choir director, your goal, you don't want to lose anybody. Right? So you, you, you lead with the concept that we don't want to lose you. So you'll fight. You will, you will strive. You will work with those people. Right? But when you become staff, it becomes about production. The focus shifts. It's not, hey, I can't wait, I can't afford to lose you. It's, hey, I'm paying you. What are you doing? It's not retention anymore. It's production. You're a leader now. How are you leading? So that's kind of the, that's a hard springboard. Oh, don't worry, I'll recover in just a minute. But just think about where your next step is after Bible college. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Your next step as a minister and wherever you're at in life. Now, I'm going to share with you all my apologetic opening. Anybody ever seen one of these? This <laughs> week. Thankfully, this is a warning. But I was in route. I rode. I like to bike and at the group, we rode 35 miles this morning, uh, biking. Had two flats, not me, but one of the guys, Brother Charles, had two flats this morning. and So that put me a little bit behind. And then, as lo and behold, I get ready to gather my iPad together and get my notes and, um, it, you know, try to get everything. It has a glitch, has to update the system or something crazy. And so it's like, you got to be kidding me. And then something, I had to uninstall an app and reinstall an app. And so I called Brother Andrew. I said, listen. Get them to pray and open up with prayer because I'm probably going to be right at my office at 10 o'clock. Grab whatever I need from my office and then I'll come on in there probably about 10.05 or so. I'll, but, you know, why don't we go ahead and start out with prayer and I'll be there as quick as I can. And then I get to coming down I-10 and those red and blue lights start flashing. And, and you got to know I just got my car out of the shop yesterday and... I didn't know, you know, I was going 95, but I didn't know why he pulled me over. <laughs> and, and so, because, and the reason I say that, I thought I had slowed down in plenty of time before he saw me. And so I, I, I ease in behind this Hyundai. It's a black SUV, I thought. Maybe he confused us too. I just kind of let him decipher, and sure enough, he didn't confuse us. He wanted me. So I pull over, and he says, you know why I pulled you over? No, sir. Not yet, anyways. He goes, you don't have a front license plate. And I'm like, Shh. <laughs> And so I said, oh, man, I'm, I apologize. Uh, I actually do have a front license plate, but they didn't put it back on for some reason. It's in the back of my car. He says, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to give you a warning. You got license insurance. I said, yes, sir. I said, I'll get that put back on. They just did not put it on when I got it out of the shop. And he says, all right, well, I'm just going to give you a warning. Well, as luck would have it, you know, I, I'm sitting there, and and maybe you're not like me, but 
I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I got better things. I tell him, I said, man, could you make this quick? You know, I'm getting a little bold. He's just giving me a warning. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, could you make this quick? I've got an MIT training class, and I've got to get there, and it starts at 10. And, and, and he looks at me like, are you serious? And I said, yes, sir, I pastor a church. And, you know, i got to have the pastor card, try to swing that in there. And, and I'm like, yes, sir, I pastor a church. If you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You're a pastor's daughter. We play that card if you don't know that. We we, we want them to understand. Look, I, I, I'm an important member of this community and I need you to let me get on about my business and so uh, you know but then it's like oh my gosh this guy here he ain't got nothing better to do sorry just running around I mean who checks for a front license plate and then pulls me over finds out I'm a minister headed to church and then takes the time you know because these are like worthless right Everybody understands. You have to do nothing with this. Right? I mean, this is stupid, right? This is dumb. I'm sitting there. Okay, come on. And you know, it, I don't know what. I don't, handwriting was faster. <laughs> he sits back there, runs all of our stuff, checks our license, checks our insurance. I mean, it's like, dear God, what is the matter with this guy? I've got to be somewhere. I mean, don't he have criminals to go catch? This is dumb. Doesn't he, can't he go catch some bad guys instead? I mean, I'm really, I mean, this is major stuff. I'm running around on the freeway with no front license plate. Oh, my God. Right? Or he's a good guy doing his job. And I may have been the guy fixing to go blow up the next school. I may have been the guy that was fixing to rob a bank. That car may have been stolen, and somehow when I pulled out of the driveway so fast, I hit the curb and knocked the license plate off. And this officer, who was kind enough, if you didn't catch my sarcasm before, but to give me just a warning, and I prayed God blessed him mightily today and give him all the tickets he needs to make the end of the month because that's what it's all about. All right, it's the last day of the month. If you don't know that, then just take my word for it. And so they got a quota they're trying to meet. So all of you going to Winnie after this and around town, just remember that. And he's just a good guy that is doing his job. Now that may sound like a measly introduction. But I want to talk to you about that very thing this morning. It's up to me how I play it. I can walk in here like I did the first time and say, he's so ignorant. Unbelievable. You think these cops get paid to run around and chase people with no license plate? Or, no man, he's just doing his job. He's a good guy. I appreciate him giving me a warning. And, you know, who knows? He could have stopped a, a wreck. He could have stopped a gunman. He could have stopped, uh, you know, somebody that was uh, fixing to go do a major crime and could have caught them just because, hey, they didn't have a front license plate on the car, and I appreciate that. May not understand it always, but you know what? I appreciate it on the hind side of it. Jesus said this, and, and I'll get to my point. Jesus said, let your yeas be yea. Anybody know that scripture? What's the rest of it? And your nays be nay. And every time we preach that, 
is from the concept, if you will, of idle words, right? What if it's a little deeper? Everybody I've ever heard preach it always says, well, boy, it's what you say. Just say yes. And you got those real super holies. It's like every word, yes, no. Anything more than that sin? It's like, how are you doing today? Yes. Everything okay? Nope. Well, you want to tell me about it? Nope. Why not? Out of words, man. Out of words. I don't want to fall in the sin. It's just out of words, man. And then you got those people that, you know, are non-spiritual. Oh, man, Jesus didn't really mean that. You know, that ain't what that meant. You know, nothing's ever what Jesus meant. It's, it's always, you know, Jesus can say, John can say, love not the world. Well, that ain't what that meant. I think he meant like, you know, the cosmos and the stars and we shouldn't love the stars. But it wasn't talking about sin. You know, you always got those, either super spirituals or, or non-spirituals. But what if from a context of what we say matters? And that's really, really what I want to talk about just a second. Most of you, Court Chavis wants to jump in and sing help me right now. <laughs> my time court I'll call you later uh, but it, it, the reality of it is most of us are going to end up in some sort of an assistant role at first right think about it for a second now I'll tell my guys they've heard this before matter of fact I talked this week about this with brother Andrew what is a valuable assistant how can you be successful as an assistant Think about your first, now, some of your freshmen, some of your seniors, some of your, you know, uh, old seniors. And, uh, <laughs> but you're about to step out at some point, one, two, three, four years from now. You're going to step into a place of assisting. And nobody wants to really talk about that. We talk about what we'd do if we was the pastor. We talk about what we would do if we were the music director. We talk about what we'd do if we was a teacher. Believe it or not, they'll one day talk about what they would do if they were the youth pastor. You know, I walked in here last night, I don't mind telling you, it's easy. I walked in here last night, I said, why ain't there a big Xbox on that screen right there for young people to play? I said, in my day, there would have been some Xbox game, like, you know, kids fighting over controllers on that big old screen. Just life size. Now, uh, it, you know, you preached about TV movies. I just Tom, don't, don't even talk about my Xbox, uh, you understand. And, uh, and so, but at some point, you're probably not going to step into a senior pastorate, music director, the boss role, right? How many of you, and most of you are, nobody thought differently, you realize that you're going to be an assistant. The question is, will that assistant role, how does it get you, okay, to the senior role if that's what you desire? And you're looking at a man that does not believe everybody's called to a senior role. All right? There is a second man calling. All right? There is assistant callings. All right, I even wrestled with this when I was in Dallas, just wondering if this is where I should be and where I should stay and just help this man until 
you know, I can't help no more and then help his son. And I sincerely prayed about that, if that was God's will for my life. And so you understand, I want to talk to you about some things that could help you be successful. Whether your goal is to be the senior something, music director, senior pastor, whatever. Okay, senior, senior educator, doesn't matter. Or your goal is to continually stay in an assisting place. How do you do that effectively? How do you do that to, with some sort of guarantee that I can be successful? Now, here's what I'm going to define. The assisting minister is anyone operating in any position such as associate pastor, assistant, or deputy pastor, or worship leader, departmental pastor, administrative pastor, youth pastor, branch pastor, campus pastor, minister of music, and you get the drift. So unless, unless you're the senior pastor, we're going to call you an assistant. All right? And the duties of an assisting minister to most people may look obvious. And the truth is it's not. It can make or break your ministry. Anybody ever, you know, most of you are probably in church or raised in church to some degree. You ever seen assistants not make it? I mean, I hate to say that, but you ever seen some get fired? You know, I've had to fire an assistant. I won't mention names, but I've had to fire someone before. You know, I've had to set leaders down before. And it's never fun, but it does happen, right? So what are some things that can help us become? Because th this was, this is my context. There was four ministers that made up a youth ministry team. Why did my pastor pick me when it came time to be an assistant director? And then why did he pick me when it came time to become the youth director? Why me? You ever, you ever wonder that? Why do some people, even in Bible college, I know y'all think it ain't fair. Because it's not fair, right? Let me tell you what fair is. Fair is a place where you ride Ferris wheels and buy funnel cakes and eat candied apples. All right? Life is not fair. Ministry's not fair. Bible college is not fair. All right? God is not fair. But it is just. He says, You reap what you sow. Whatever measure you judge, the same will be judged back to you. It's not fair, but it's just. You ever wonder why she always gets to solo? You ever wonder why? Well, they always ask them to preach. Every time, oh, I, I'm, I've been in those crowds, oh, bless God, every time, here we go, Mr. Favorite, you know, Mr. Suck Up, I don't know if y'all still use that term, brown noser, whatever, you know. But the truth is, a good assistant can be compared to a good ambassador. And here's where we miss it when it comes to assisting. And where I hope this one morning could change some of your successes in the future. Alright? And I'll, I'm not preaching. I'm just going to teach a little bit. And I'll let you go. An ambassador does not reflect 
his own ideas and visions, but only those of his home country. In our case, the senior minister. A good assistant minister can also be compared, if you will, to a good wife. Uh-oh. Crossing over. Just stay with me. It'll be all right. Think about it. A good wife, what does she do? She runs the house according to the head. She doesn't inject or run it. How many of you ever seen, don't, don't name names, but you've seen a, good, a wife that doesn't run it like the husband wants to. In other words, she's going to do what she wants to do. How many of you said, that's the kind of wife I want? Right? How many of you have seen an assistant that's going to do what they want to do? All right? Stay with me for a second. If you are not faithful with another man's ministry or woman, do not ever expect to have anything of your own. Watch me. Luke 16 and 12. Most of you probably don't even know this is in there. It says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's. Now we know the faithful over a few ruler over many part. But look at verse 12. He says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Say with me. Because I'm going to give you some points and I'll let you go, but... I want you to get this, because we don't teach on this enough. All right, we teach on what it's like to be the senior. Well, guess what? Everybody's not going to be the senior. We better learn how to play second fiddle. Guess what? Some of you are going to go home in a couple of years, and that music director that you didn't like when you left for Bible college is still going to be in charge. And your pastor is going to look at you and say, I want you to help her. You're back from school and I want you to make us better. And your biggest challenge is going to be working with someone who is senior over you. All right? It's not going to be preaching the right sermon. It's not going to be picking out the right song. It's going to be, can I assist the person in charge? There is a proliferation of associate Absaloms, Adonijahs, Ahithophels. If you don't know these, look them up. You can see their demise. Shimeis, Joabs, Judases, and Lucifers in the church. Think about it with me and I'll hurry. These are the major rebels of the Bible. Korahs, you could go on. Any experienced minister will have his fair share of these personalities. Wherever you're at, you're going to find an Absalom. You'll know her. Well, I just don't agree with that. Well, if I was in charge, that was Absalom. If I was king, he said at the gate, if I was king, well, let's translate that to modern day. Well, if I was the pastor. Now, I get very open because we got three campuses. I've got campus help and campus pastors and youth pastors that they understand this. Yeah, I don't want you sitting at my gate going, boy, I tell you what, if I was in charge around here, 
That brother Vickery, I tell you. <laughs> All right? I want you to know I'm against these type of people. And you should be too. Now, I'm not talking about or teaching against the people. I'm teaching against their personalities. All right? Don't misunderstand me. It's not easy to be the head. Wherever you go, please don't forget that. It's not easy to be the head of anything. It may look easy. Some men make it look, dear God, Brother Stanley makes it look like, a, you know, living large and in charge. And he's my pastor. I love him to death. But he makes ministry look so easy. I mean, he drives around in fine cars, lives in fine houses, and travels the world. And, 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 and you know, I got a good friend. He's always posting selfies, headed to Zurich, headed over here to the Philippines. Headed, and I'm like, my God. You know, got this new car. Got, oh, God bless us with this new guy. And, you know, one taught this Bible study. And you're just like, you look at that and it's like, man, how does he do that? Make, some guys make it look easy, but let me tell you, it is not easy. Let me tell you all a true story. And this, this is off my notes, but let me tell you a true story. When I was about 17, 18 and preaching, I was preaching out. I had a tent service, you know. I, when I say preaching out, I mean nursing homes, prisons, you know. <laughs> I'll get the wrong idea here. I'm not talking about the cause of the time, all right? I'm talking about, hey, I'm, uh, I'm getting called uh, to preach in nursing homes, and I've got a little tent service in Cut and Shoot, Texas, and if you don't know where that's at, there's a reason why. <laughs> All right. And, and so I'm running up this tent service, and, and, and I'm preaching in nursing homes, and I'm preaching and, 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 and giving in prisons and all this stuff. And, and you know these, these, these pastor sons. Now, my dad wasn't a pastor. My my grandfather preached one sermon and they made fun of him, so he ran out and never stepped back in church again. My dad said, well, it didn't work for my grandfather. I ain't going to try. And so I, here I am, no pastor's kid. But you know these pastor's, preacher's kids, you know, it's like, it's like they got an automatic role, right? You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's like I, I, in our church, it preaches, oh, this is my good buddy. We went to Bible college together. I'll ask him to come preach tonight. Everybody give him a hand. Because you know 
Camaro, didn't get the IROC Z Camaro that you wanted. I didn't get the meal I wanted. Sometimes not a meal at all. And so I, I kind of had a bad attitude about it. So these guys would get up, I'd be like, you know, this is a true story. One particular evening, a guy that I'm very good friends with now, fishing buddies, golfing buddies, we were very good friends. Once I got over myself. But he got the pulpit and that old spirit began to rise up. Now, this, I'm just talking to you, and I hope I can be real with you and you can handle it. But I said, you know, uh, these suckers must be nice, you know. You know the old story. Daddy calls and got his revivals booked for him. You know, probably preached dad's sermon. Didn't even have to study. Dad just gave him a notebook and said, here, son, this will start you out right here. You know. Dads were buddies. Now they got revivals booked. And you know, if you ain't if you ain't never tried to book revivals, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's like, hey, Pastor, could I come for? Yeah, I'll let you know. We'll get together. Don't worry. Don't call me. I'll call you. You know, hey, I'd like to. You know, the worst in the world. You go to a conference like, hey, I'd like to have you come down to Alexandria. I'll tell you a funny story. I was I was driving Jeff Arnold around about twenty years ago, twenty one years ago now. And I was just happened to be the guy that they appointed to allow to go from a hotel to BOTT. And so I'm driving around. And the last day, I'm taking him to the airport. He gets out. He opens the door and he says, yeah, I'm going to have to come, have you come to Gainesville one day. Yes, sir. I'll be there. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking next week he's going to give me a call. It's been 21 years. <laughs> but he's going to call one day. He's going to be with me in October. I'm going to tell him, you remember? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he ain't going to remember. <laughs> but if you were a young preacher that didn't have a daddy in the ministry or a grandpa in the ministry or a long line of Bible college friends, you know, you were like, oh, please. What's, it must be nice for these guys. So this guy took the pulpit and that little spirit began to rise up. And I remember it rising up and I just like, just... So finally he preaches, and I got to admit, he did a great job. <laughs> I hate to admit it. But he, you know, he, just, he did a great job. And I got convicted. And I'm sitting there like, no, nope, I ain't praying, ain't responding, ain't no good message. I don't care, God, if you came down yourself and dressed in that suit. I bless God, he ain't ministering to me. I ain't breaking. And I, I don't know how some of you feel about this, but the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, any man... that gets behind this pulpit and I anoint him. He's paid a price for that anointing. It may not be the price you paid. It may not be the same cost that it cost you. Honestly, God, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, but if I anoint him, Somewhere he's paid a price. And I don't, I don't mind telling you, I became a soppy, wet, snotted mess. Just let all of that go. And me and him to this day are some of our, he's one of my best friends. So be careful how you judge things. Be careful in your youth how you decide things come about. You don't know what price they've paid. Little did I know, 
As a young 20-something year old man, they diagnosed him with MS. Now, I've never been diagnosed with MS. I've had leukemia. I've had scoliosis. I've had a few car wrecks and blind in one eye. Not anymore, God healed me, but I was. But I've never had MS. And when we became friends, he began to tell me the struggles and the fear of not being able to preach in his 40s because his muscles may not allow him. And I thought, how horrible am I to sit on a front pew of a church and be bitter all because his dad's a preacher. No, but God doesn't allow us to have an easy road. If you're going to make it, you'll pay a price. And just worry about what it's going to cost you. Don't worry about what it's going to cost somebody else. If you're going to be a good assistant, you've got to get you there. All right, stay with me. See, it's not always easy to be the head. All the responsibility falls on you. All the blame falls on you. Anything goes wrong, it's the head's fault. Some of you got parents that pastor a church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't even, as a kid, you don't even understand it. My kids don't understand it. They're like, Dad, how is this your fault? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, it just is. You know? Now, let's look at a couple of things. I believe it is a gift and a calling to be a good assistant. If God's not called you to stand in the office of assisting a leader, then do not take on yourself this frustrating task. In other words, if you're not called to be an assistant, don't do it. Because it's probably one of the hardest roles you'll ever take on. In other words, if you know you are not going to assist a man well, and this is going to get tough, and some of you may disagree, then don't assist at all. Just go do your own thing. Don't mess up a church. Don't mess up a ministry. If you know you and that man's not going to get along, and you're not going to really listen to him or, or her or whoever it is, then just jump out there on your own. At least you don't hurt nobody else. All right? I want to look at a couple things and I'll hurry. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you 29 ways <laughs> of becoming a good assistant. And I'll go fast. This is going to, now this is nuts and bolts, and this is going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm not, and I can prove it to you by the time I'm done. Number one, make mention of your senior pastor or leader often. And in a favorable light. Let your yeas be yea. And your nays be nay. I ask you. What if Jesus meant something a little deeper? Your perception of that police officer this morning. Was totally determined. On how I presented him. And if you're an assistant. The people that you are leading. Perception of the senior minister. Is how you present him. 
that make sense? Matter of fact, do this whenever you're speaking, preaching, or counseling. When I was an assistant, often I'd get up and say, man, Lord, I, I preach a lot of Sunday nights in Dallas, and Brother Rob can testify. I'd get up and over time, I love our pastor. Don't y'all love our pastor? What an awesome man. He preached a masterpiece this morning. If you did, wasn't here this morning, you need to get the tape or the CD or watch it online. I didn't not say anything because that leaves them to wonder. And I did, in other words, silence can make people think something's wrong. Anybody ever been in a table and they're like, what do you think about pastor? And the person goes, hmm. Where's your mind go? Something's wrong. Don't have to be pastor. In our church, Sister Kim's our senior musician right now until Brother Rob graduates, but I understand. Somebody walks up to a table and says, what do you think about Sister Kim in that song selection last night? And you think you're a good assistant if you go, man, I'm not saying nothing. Oh, so you agree with me. You just don't want to say, well, I'm man enough to say. I didn't like it. Hey, man. See, that's totally different than, hey, I think she's doing a good job. I, you know, you're not going to hit a home run every time, but I think it was a good selection. You know, just, it, it, you know, we're working a little harder, and I think Sister Kim's doing the best she can, and she's doing a great job. Oh, 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 yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, me too. That's what, I promise you. Because they realized, oh, we're not in agreement. All right, I believe we got some great content from this first part of becoming a successful assistant. We only got to the first point of 29 points, but there were so many other great points that were made um, by Pastor Vickery. And one of the things that I want to bring out uh, briefly is the first part of this uh, episode. He talked and he asked the question, how many of you think you're going to be a lead pastor? Uh, right out of Bible college or right into ministry, how many think you're going to be a lead pastor? Of course, I know he's talking about uh, Bible college students, talking to them and trying to teach them, but I want to kind of make this a little bit broader and maybe broaden that question. Maybe you're already in ministry, maybe you're helping your pastor, uh, but maybe just to ask a broader question, how many of us, when we stepped into ministry, thought that we were just going to change the world and impact the entire world and and blow up and we couldn't believe pastor wouldn't let us preach on Sunday we couldn't believe uh, that pastor wouldn't let us lead that ministry and just let us take off with it wish you would just uh, cut me loose pastor maybe that maybe just kind of broadens that question a little bit because I, I really want to dig into that a little bit more uh, than just how many of you think you want to be a lead pastor because I know sometimes uh, how many of you think are going to be a lead pastor, rather, right out of Bible college. And I, I don't want to just put that question away, but I think it's important. But I think to broaden that question, we got to ask, how many of us think that we just need to be cut loose? That we just need to, to, to branch out? The pastor just needs to let uh, uh, loosen the grip a little bit and just let us lead our ministry. I know for me, I've been in youth ministry for five years, 
So I don't speak on much experience, but I think five years maybe gives me a little bit of experience for the first step of being in youth ministry or just ministry period. The first step for me, and I'm not saying this applies for everybody, but for, for me, the first thing that I had to overcome was my own insecurities. My own insecurities. To realize that even as a youth pastor, I'm representing him. I'm representing the head of the church. Even as a youth pastor, what do you mean? We have our own entity. We're doing our own thing. We're, we're in our own youth group. This is the youth students of this church. And I know there's so many times that we miss this, not just in youth ministry, in music ministry. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a music director. Just cut me loose. Loosen the grip a little bit. Let me lead this team and let trust me. But how many of us, maybe you fall prey to that insecurity, not realizing that a man or a woman who has been a pastor or who is the head maybe has a little bit of knowledge and training and teaching that we don't have. Maybe they know a little bit more about it. I know for us, uh, personally, our pastor was a youth pastor, full-time youth pastor when he was young. And so he had, I don't know exactly how many years, but more than five years, I assume, in being a youth pastor. And... Why couldn't I learn from him? Now, as a young youth pastor, I'm going to tell you, I had a lot of insecurities. I don't need help. I got this. I know what I'm doing. That's that's not a... That's an insecurity. That's that's not not just a pride thing, but it is an insecurity to to really think that I got this. I don't need anybody's help. And I think one of the first things we've got to overcome is that insecurity. And even in the way, maybe you don't think you're going to be the lead pastor, but possibly you think that you got this. Just cut me loose. Just just let me go. Cut me loose. Let le- Unleash me a little bit. And I think we have to guard against that mindset to realize, you know what, I'm, I'm not just a minister a loose cannon doing my own thing, but I, I'm doing what my pastor desires me to do, and I'm doing it under his authority, under his leadership. That's one point I want to bring out. In, in the very end, of course, pastor talked about making mention of your pastor often in a good light. Now, I myself practice this a lot, and I'll say, now, I, we don't want to fall into this danger of only doing it when he's around. That that's the point of that point is, is that the the really context of that point is that we do it when he's not around. We do it when we're leading our ministry, and pastor's not there, and we make mention of him often in a good light. I can tell you, even I, I lead a Spanish church in, in our in Calvary Tabernacle, and in that Spanish church, they, they, most of them do not know our senior pastor. Most of them do not 
uh, have a personal relationship. I've taught them a Bible study. I've prayed with them. I've called them. I've talked to them, been to their house, visited with them, had lunch with them, had dinner with them. Our senior pastor has, of course, he's leading three campuses. He's leading a staff. He's, he's pastoring approximately 300, 350 people. And in all of that, and he's not involved in the Spanish church per se, except from what I tell him and for what, from what, I, what information I bring him and what testimonies I tell him and what, when I tell him there's a new family coming. But in all of that, every single Sunday, some way, somehow, I make mention of our senior pastor. I tell the Spanish people, senior pastor loves you. I tell the, the Spanish people a story about our senior pastor. I tell the Spanish people uh, something that involves our senior pastor. Why? Because I want them to know, even though I'm leading this church, we have a senior pastor, and he's the head. He's my authority. I speak of him often in a good light. Amen. I don't want to go way off because we got two more parts coming. I don't want to go into more uh, content because I may spoil it for you for the next couple of episodes. But you do not want to miss the next episode. We're going to try our best to post it next week. Also, I want to give a side note. There are some names that are mentioned in this episode and the episodes to come. These names are fictional names. Our pastor changed the names. They are true stories, but he has changed some of the names to guard uh, the reputation of those people. So just so you know, some of these names are fictional and they are not real names. So you don't have to look them up on Facebook and try to search it out and try to figure out who they are. Uh, but some of these names are, are fictional names just for your information. And the book that pastor is referencing a lot in these three part episode, becoming a, a successful assistant is a book called disloyal loyalty and disloyalty. And it's written by Dag Heward Mills, an excellent book, and I, I suggest you get it, get the book, especially if you're trying to become a good assistant uh, to your pastor. God bless you today. Love you. We'll see you on the next episode.